Welcome to the Beyond Green 365 podcast. This podcast educates homeowners on how to make healthier choices when updating, remodeling, or building a new home. Step Beyond Green to Healthy supports, advocates, and educates for healthier indoor environments. We make every effort to offer healthier options and learning opportunities. However, our assistance is not specific medical advice for any one person and or medical condition. For specific medical advice, please contact your physician. The content provided by Step Beyond Green to Healthy is for your information only. Any application of this information is your responsibility entirely. Here is your host, Jonathan Sinovic. Welcome everybody to this week's episode. I had a chance to sit down with Tyson Miller, a landscape architect, and discuss outdoor spaces. Tyson is actually a Wisconsin native from Bayview, Wisconsin. He grew up in the Boy Scouts where his love for the outdoors was found, and so much so that he decided that he wanted to play for the golf team. That golf team he took to state in high school, and with that love of golf and his passion for the outdoors, he decided to attend Michigan State University where he studied landscape architecture. After graduating from Michigan State University, he found himself in a suburb of Chicago practicing that where he met his lovely wife, Eventually then, decided that they wanted to have a family, moved back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and has been here ever since. Tyson's passion for the outdoor has driven him to create some of the most incredible designs for Villani Land Shapers. With that being said, let's talk about healthy landscaping with Tyson. Thanks, Tyson, for being on the show today. I am, I got to be honest, I, I love the intro. I love the fact that every time I talk with you, you just get super excited about <laughs> landscape, architecture, about plants. Uh, your passion is incredible. Um, it's going to be a great topic today. We're going to be talking about how nature tells us when to apply nutrients to your yard and not actually by the calendar, but by nature. Yeah, I mean, basically something to, to focus on, the the, as everybody knows here, especially in, in um, the Midwest, the, the seasons can vary quite dramatically. So it's, it's uh, you know, we do, we do get a plethora of all four seasons. And uh, um, being able to get that uh, timing down right when you, when you want to uh, apply some sort of, whether it's an insect or a weed control, can be very challenging because you can't use the calendar. You can't just say... April 1st, I need to put down crabgrass control. Now, now, hold on. Now, now I've, I've seen the back yes. of these fertilizers. Yes. I, I've been told there's a chart. It tells me the area, the zone I'm in. A, it tells me the day. Sure. You know, I, I don't get it. So what you're telling me is that, you know, it's actually there's more science to that? Come on. That's crazy, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nature will pretty much dictate everything that we need to do if we're just able to observe it properly and... Um, understand what it's telling us. Okay. So, like the easiest one, let's start with the crabgrass one. That's a big one. Everybody loves their lawns, and they want them to look great. Well, the first thing you need to do in the springtime is put down a crabgrass control. Now, the timing on that, uh, historically, you would say, okay, well, there's a certain day you have to do that or a certain period of time. Well, when you just apply chemicals um, based on a calendar, you get maybe 10% effectiveness. 
you might you might get it right one time, or you might get it right, you might guess correctly all the time. But rather than guessing, I, I'd rather use science a little bit more and nature be the lead. And nature will tell you when um, a plant like forsythia, which is uh, a native plant here and a, and a great bloomer of kind of the spring welcome plant. It's a bright yellow shrub that you'll people see all around. Uh, it's one of the first ones to bloom in the spring. And that also tells you that's the, also the time the soil temperatures are coinciding with crabgrass getting ready to come out. And you want to get that layer down of crabgrass control um, just prior to that. If you put it down too early, it moves through the soil profile and is no longer effective, minimally effective. If you put it down too late, it at that point, um, it, it can only work with the seed of the crabgrass. And so once that germinates, it's too late. So timing it with the forsythia blooming, you drive around, you see forsythia blooming, and then you say, okay, I've got about a week or two to get down my crabgrass control. And from there, um, I'm good to go with the beginning of the season. Now, there are a couple options there as far as crabgrass control. Every, you can always use a chemical version, but there is also a natural version as well. It's called corn gluten. And corn gluten is something that if, if you don't want to um, necessarily use pesticides or, or chemicals in your, in your yard, that would be the natural alternative. And it works spectacularly. And you can find it at pretty much uh, any home and garden center um, in the area. All right. So for, for myself, who's not as, uh, as in tune to all these words you use, so crabgrass. So we, we, we hear this being used, every, I mean, everybody's like, oh, I got to get rid of my crabgrass. Sure. Why is it that we have to get rid of, I mean, or we shouldn't have it around? I mean, what, what is the history behind crabgrass? Well, the biggest challenge, the reason you don't want crabgrass is because it can, just like any other um, plant that, that it'll, it'll create an issue where it'll, it'll make the good grass, the blue grasses, the rye grasses, the fescues, the blend of the three types of uh, grass that we have in our soil, in our grass profile here in the Midwest, um, it'll choke those out. Hmm. And so it will overtake an area and be the only thing there. And the biggest challenge is crabgrass is an annual. So it dies off every year, whereas your fescues, your blue grasses, and your rye grasses are going to be the perennials that you want in your lawn. They're the soft texture. Um, they give it the beauty, the color, um, the reason you want to walk out in your lawn in bare feet. And, sure. and uh, you really don't want to do that with crabgrass. Got so. it, got it. And so this forsythia yellow yep. plant, describe yep. this. Um, so if I'm, because you say it's very common, mm -hmm. uh, I yeah. hear the word, and yep. I'm, I'm sure right now listeners are Googling, okay, i got to figure out what forsythia looks like. So, <laughs> sure. I mean, for, for those people who aren't sitting with, with the Internet right now, yeah. what, can you describe that plant a little bit? Well, I mean, it's going to be something, depending on the variety, um, it's going to be somewhere in the vicinity of 4 feet to 10 feet, um, depending on how it's been pruned, depending on which variety of it. There are certain dwarf varieties that stay smaller and are better for an urban landscape. And then there are the traditional um, species that can get large, large sh um, shrubs. And, and a lot of times you'll see them in masses. They'll be in groupings. Um, when I when I use them in a design, I'll I'll mass them in a in a larger grouping, and that way you get a more dramatic effect from them. 
Okay, so it's it's not like I'm not looking for like that one flower around a corner. We will not looking, miss okay, it. So Once you, you so see you it, miss you will it. not miss it. All right, good. Well, that's well, that's good to know. Now, if I see it, if I if I live um, like in the downtown area and I see it out in Delafield or in Johnson Creek, is, sure. does that mean that it's okay at, in in Milwaukee to do great, it? If I'm seeing it further away, great question. Because um, we also have microclimates and. Lake Michigan, of course, is the controller, at least here in Milwaukee area, that controls the, the temperature, the climate. Um, if you're close to the lake, you have a more delayed spring, you have a longer fall, and you have a more mild winter from a temperature standpoint. So that all affects how things, basically it's about two to three weeks behind what you might see out in lake country 30 miles or so hmm. west. And... So you want to look for those indicators as close to your environment that you're trying to uh, control or, or take care of. Um, you're going to want to look for those plants that are closest to that. Got so if, if you see them in another environment um, miles away, that doesn't indicate to me, uh, shouldn't indicate what might happen in the city, um, you know, 20, 30 miles away. Got it, yeah. So I really should stay away from looking at my lake home that's up in Wisconsin <laughs> Dells is how yes. I treat my home in Milwaukee. Okay. Correct. I got it. Yes. I got it. All right. Um, so are, are there – the last thing I want to go back on is this uh, this corn gluten. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I've never heard of this. Okay. So I'm sure people out there are going, uh, is this something I use for cooking? I mean, is this something – I mean, where, where – what? can you tell us a little bit about the background of that? And then you um, say it's, it's, a, it's a pretty – it's a pretty – is it used specifically in landscaping or is it something that's used for other things? Yeah, it's a byproduct really – of yeah. of the uh, um, corn production process, it's a byproduct, really. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. another piece of that environmentally yep. friendly piece that hey, Most we're still we're using the next piece of some other process. Most certainly, and huh. uh, um, they've they've found that you know that's a natural weed inhibitor um, because what it'll do is it'll create the same effect of what a pre-emergent herbicide does, um, which is creates a little bit of a film over the top of those. Uh, weed seeds and uh, basically, simply put, um, keeps them from germinating. Uh, yeah. it, it, it keeps them from germinating, and at that point, um, corn gluten can do the same thing that a chemical component can do, but in a natural way. Huh. That is, yeah. uh, that is that's, that's pretty slick. Um, well, we have plenty of corn around here. Uh, yeah, the Midwest does specifically. Sure. That's not the only. Um, we had been chatting a little bit earlier yeah. about another net of a product that's that's actually done here in Milwaukee that you suggest as a potential alternative to chemicals. It's something I use myself. I, I think it's malorganite, which is uh, again a, a byproduct of our uh, sewage system, basically in Milwaukee. And um, what it does is it has a the number one thing that it has is it's a, it's a low um, nitrogen fertilizer, but what it is high in is iron. And iron is what creates that dark, deep color in the landscape. A lot of, a lot of landscapes are um, low in iron and sulfur, which lead to off colors. That's kind of where you see that yellowish color in the lawn or yellowish color in plant foliage and leaves is because they're, they're void of that in the soils. And so by adding uh, a product like a malorganite, it, um, it not only does give you a low dose of fertilizer for the plants, but then also gives it um, a, a great shot of iron, which benefits um, 
all plants, and that's where you get that deep, rich green color. And then also that also trickles down to more health for the plant and less less chances for disease and insects to come in and um, affect the plant uh, in a negative way. Another great Milwaukee product. That's 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 two in a row here. Yes, yes, and they've been using um, they've been using that in the county park systems forever. Um, golf courses, uh, our beautiful park systems everywhere. Uh, they've been using that as a um, as a natural fertilizer for for decades. So you talk about the iron con- contact with yeah. the dark, the deep dark colored. Then immediately I thought of your golf course background. Yeah, like, sure, oh, okay, sure. this is probably this has probably got to do with that. Yeah. If can that be applied? I think one of the questions I I, I get asked sometimes is if I if I'm going through the we'll say the four stages according to the bag. <laughs> you know, we got sure. four four times a year. We're supposed to apply these yeah. things or three times a year. Mm-hmm. Can malorganite is that something that I have to be conscious of within those cycles, or is it something that I that because of its high iron content, mm-hmm. we're not seeing it in other chemicals? So I can use this once a year, twice a year. I guess I, I didn't even think about the fact that you're talking about yellowing mm-hmm. trees. Yep. I mean, I think I mean I we have a house in the city, and I have certain areas that are dark, but certainly mm-hmm. my lawn hit mid July, mm-hmm. beginning of August doesn't look that great. Mm-hmm. Um, so so tell me a little bit about application. Is it do we have to be careful when to use more? That's the great thing about it is is you don't. It uh, it's a non burning. The fact that it's a low nitrogen, it it um, you can apply it at any time throughout the. The season, and you can use it as a supplement for your regular fertilizer program as well. Like yeah. I like to use it um, two to three times a year. Um, I, I put it down in the spring. Fall is always the best time to, if you're going to fertilize just once a year. Just a simple side note here: if you're going to just fertilize your lawn once a year, um, your plants, anything in your landscape once a year, do it late in the fall. The late fall fertilizer is the best for all plantings. And the simple reason for that is they're, when they're actively growing, they need a lot of energy, right? They need a lot of nutrients. And late in that season, once they drop their leaves or they go dormant, which means they're no longer producing any upper growth, uh, the roots are always active. Hmm. So whether it's a tree, whether it's a shrub, whether it's uh, turf grass. So they're always active. And so they will absorb all of those nutrients into the plant and hold them over winter and then explode in the springtime when the, when the temperatures are right. You can always tell who does the late fertilizer. Uh, it's commonly called a winterizer here. But okay. you can always tell who puts down the late fertilizer because they also have the earliest green grass in the springtime. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. All right, so let's get back to uh, nature telling us time. Is, is there other indicators? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there's, there's dozens of them, uh, whether it's, uh, certain pests, uh, certain pests that, um, insects that, that are going to affect the crops, affect the plants, uh, when those emerge, these are all basically the, the, the easy way to look at it is, is you're really dealing with soil temperatures and soil temperatures dictate when the plants do their flowering and then as those soil temperatures increase, then that also is when those insects or pests start to come come alive. And so if you time those two together, that's when you're going to get your best, uh, your best combination of control without having to over-apply or just simply follow a, a, a calendar that, um, 
you know, can vary, obviously. Everything varies here. Sure. I mean, we've had snow in, we've had snow in April. We've had uh, <laughs> right. snow in October. And I think that's just in the last, like, five years. So, sure. you know. So can you pick And we've out... had none this year, hardly. So. <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. When you're thinking of, of timing things for certain insects, uh, when insect control would be at its best, um, tent caterpillar, that's a big one. So you'll, if sometimes people look up into a tree and they'll see what looks to them maybe like a big web of something, very, that's tent caterpillar. And that'll, those can defoliate an entire tree in a matter of days. Holy cow. Yeah. We don't have it as bad here because we're far enough north. Um, our climate is able to, to fight them off, but yet it's still, you'll, you'll notice it. Um, you'll notice it in our area, but Midwest in general, it's, it's, a, it's an extreme challenge. And timing on that is the biggest thing. There's two ways to control it. Either you see it and that's when you remove it and then either burn it or, or put them in, a, in buckets of water, whatever, to eliminate the, the little larvae that are basically going to get out of there in the thousands and go and, you know, start, start eating the foliage. And like I said, you, they, can, they can eliminate foliage, and then that further stresses the plant. It's early enough in the season that it, um, you know, doesn't completely, but it doesn't completely um, kill the tree, but what it does do is stresses it out and then allows other diseases and insects to come in and create an issue for it if it's not properly um, combated. So you'll see things like um, lilacs, lilac blooming. Now everybody knows lilacs. Mm -hmm. So and boy, do we love them. Yes. I mean, it's, it's especially in Milwaukee. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it just seems oh. like as soon as you see the lilacs, you're liking the smell. That's, I mean, that, I mean, everybody goes spring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lilac and uh, um, fragrant viburnum, are, when those two are blooming, that is your time to start thinking about control for um, those certain caterpillar species because that's when they're going to start to emerge and make their way up into, into trees. So whether that's, uh, um, you know, a systemic control. Systemic controls are really great now for um, uh, basically it's a liquid and you can pour it early in the season on onto the uh, plants root systems the roots take that up and then transfer that all the way through the plant and then create a, a full um, defense system for that tree for that particular season so those things that's that that gives you timing on those there's other dormant oil sprays and things like sure. that that you can use that are that are natural options as well sure so you you mentioned it's, we seem to be talking about caterpillars and I know that one thing that hits my yard it seems to be some sort of midsummer um, mm -hmm. it, it appears we have a and you know, I am by no means anybody understands landscaping. So it, it has a, ye a little yellow flower. It actually blooms like down the stems. But it's a fairly large plant. Um, I get a caterpillar on that every single year, and mm -hmm. it just it just decimates the plant. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I'm forced to, in my simple mind, I'm forced to spray it with a chemical. Yes. Um, and try and kill it when I first see it. And mm -hmm. it, when you first see it, my kids see it underneath the leaf. Yes. You know, like it's just hanging out there, and there's a bunch of them. Is I mean is is this common? Because it's not just that plant. I see it kind of move around. Yeah, is this mites, is, is mites, this yeah. is this something that can be controlled? Mm -hmm. um, and if so, is there a natural? You know, is there something that I don't have to go reach for that chemical, or am I just kind of at that point where sometimes that's the best way to get rid of them? Well, um, if if that's the first time you notice them, yes. Um, but again, if if you're able to to get into the process or into the regular regiment of looking for plant indicators, they'll tell you when you can pre-apply dormant oils, which will um, control those, those different uh, insect problems that you can have. 
of course, last resort is always just spray it with, you know, with with an the insecticide. Toxic but yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I'd rather not. I mean, that's um, my wife would. My wife won't let me do it. So well, that's, I, that's I have good. To, I have to, yes, correct. <laughs> and you have to come up with, you know, if you have dogs or, or or kids or or maybe just you know for yourself, there's there's a natural alternative almost to to every chemical control that can be as effective. You just have to get used to it and be aware of it and when to apply it. And I'm not. You've used the, the oils twice. This uh, I, I didn't write it down correctly. Dematic oils. Yes. Uh, what what is that? Just like you're kind of giving me the melorganite and you're giving me this corn gluten. Like what what is that? When you say there's something I could pick up at the local hardware store or the local landscape shop. Is that or I mean, and what what would I be looking for? What would I have to ask questions if I was like, okay, you know, if I walked in there, I'm sure mm-hmm. the more information I have to tell someone I'm looking for, or is it just like dormant oil, oil dormant oil, oil, neem oil, dormant, okay. dormant oil would be the, um, any, any, um, uh, garden center would, would have that, uh, on hand and also would be good at advising how to use it. Got it. And so that is something that is, that's a specific thing. It's not like there's a bunch of variations of dormant oh, oil. Yeah, like it's, you can't just go in your kitchen and grab uh, um, <laughs> olive oil. You know, I was and, just and, thinking, and, I got a ton of olive oil. Right. We do a ton of cooking. This will be perfect. Yes. I'll just I'll just go get the oil and well, I'll, I'll I'll dump it into the ground and they'll just be fine. Right. You might want. I mean, you could always saute the, the insects too, and you know, that, they, I'm sure they taste good. And in certain cultures, that's a regular <laughs> thing. So okay. maybe we should expand on that too. And I never thought about eating them. But. <laughs> nice. I, I don't recommend that. Don't just go out and start eating plants in your landscape randomly or insects. But no. um, one 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 final thing I, I kind of want to touch base on, and it's, it's because you actually brought it up that it, it, it dawned on me. So right now we have this this light this lifestyle thing, our piece with our our animals, right? And I think it's one of the things when we talk about healthy with stepping on on green, everybody we always think of indoor air 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 quality, outside quality mm-hmm. on a human level, but mm-hmm. we all but we've seen this. This not, I want to say change, I think we've always loved our animals, but we've seen this passion where, especially in urban areas, we're, we're creating outdoor areas for, mm-hmm. for, for dogs. Um, Dog and course. so is there, is there anything, I always worry, and I get, I get nervous with my two small dogs, the, the chemical applications yes. for fertilizers, yes. right? Yes. Um, we've seen this dramatic, I've, I've talked to the, the veterinary field, and they're like, they've seen this huge increase of licking and, mm-hmm. chemo- and sensitivity to paws, I've got to believe it's what they're walking on. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we have the salt in the winter here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got then the summers. It, what's, what, in your opinion, is kind of the best avenue? If I have dogs, mm-hmm. what, what should I be at least conscious of with applications for fertilizers? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's key. That's why every community here has uh, regulations uh, at a minimum. Whenever you see those little signs that say chemicals applied, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, any any um, chemical application company has to do that. Um, and so when you see those, there's a period of time where that, that product is in its still liquid form where it can be transferred. And you just want to kind of stay off of that for maybe 24 hours if you're using a chemical control. If you're using a, a, a more natural control, then it's, it's not as, of course, you know, you, you probably want to stay off of anything that's been applied for, you know, that 24-hour period is kind of the, the, um, um, the normal that, uh, that we use. But um, if you're using a more natural product, I think there's more leeway there and, and less residual as well. I think residual is a big thing. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest concerns or what always scares me is when you go to the store and you see a, um, a 
glyphosate, a Roundup product, uh, a kill-all. It'll, it'll, anything green, it'll, it'll kill it. And so um, they, they say 12-month control, and it's like, wow, well, that sounds great. I only have to do it once. But in the back of your mind, you have to remember, what does that mean? That means the chemical is, is there for that period of time as well. And so that's not always the best option. So I, I would always consider using um, timing your chemicals and because inevitably you're, you, you're going to need to use them in most cases. And if you have to, if you're just able to time it at, um, at the exact most optimal time that you can put it down, you're going to have less, less applications and also less, more effectiveness and less, um, you know, chance to not poison, but chance to, um, negatively affect the surrounding environment, whether that's runoff or whether that's anything down into lakes, streams, that all ends up into the water table, that all ends up, we end up ingesting that material as well. So we have to be aware of all those things and do them, um, you know, with that in mind. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you say you know, the 12-month pro- products or the six-month or even mm-hmm. a, a, a month-long product, you know. Mm-hmm. It's always crossed my mind as I read those things and I, and I wonder now, I'm very conscious of it. That's what we. That's what I do. Totally. Um, but I, I think it always worries me on that. You know what it is. And then as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself. You know, I just just talk to the audience about you know your pets, I, kids. No question about it. I mean, it. I mean, I never even. I apologize, everybody. Like in my mind, I went, "Oh, it's got to be our pets." But truthfully, I mean, I'm a young. I have three daughters. Mm-hmm. They were young. They love the backyard. We're always like, and I'm very much ground yourself with nature. Right? Take mm-hmm. off your shoes, take your socks, walk yep. around. Definitely. So I got to believe that. If it's, if it's something that we wouldn't want to do for our animals, we definitely would want to do it for us as well. 100%. Excellent, excellent. Well, Tyson, today it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Vast knowledge. Um, you, you guys can reach out Valani Land Shapers. Yep. Tyson Miller is there. Um, he is there to help you and to create a better natural outdoor environment. Thanks, Tyson. Step Beyond Green's mission is to create healthier indoor environments for us to live and work in. This is one of the ways that we do this. Please like, subscribe, or share this, as well as leave a comment below about this topic, or maybe it's a topic you'd like us to discuss in the future. As always, stay healthy. We'll see you next time.